John chapter 14. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. John chapter 14. Thank you, Father. Had a praising good time today. God has heard from us. We want to hear from him. Amen. And take care of some business here. Hallelujah. John 14, let me know when you get there by saying amen. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. Verses 1 through 6. You get there. Um, New King James Version that I'm reading from. If you don't have that, it'll be on the screen in front of you. How many of you have your Bibles today? Let me, let me see your Bible. Let me see your Bible. Those are beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. You know, a lot of modern churches, nobody has a Bible in church. People, everybody has cell phones and tablets, and those are okay. But there's just something uh, about these pages. The Bible says that when you stand before God, that there are going to be books opened. God's not going to open his tablet, his iPad. And he's going to open some books. Hallelujah. We're going to, hopefully our names will be found in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. And so there's something about the book that's so powerful to me. Amen. All right, John 14, verses 1 through 6. Let's read that together today. Ready, read. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. Today I want to use, uh, based on verse 6, uh, this, this uh, where it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I want to use for a subject, Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way. Can you say that? Jesus is the only way. Father, thank you for the word we're about to receive. I pray that God you speak through me today. Give me divine utterance and divine unction today, Father. And I pray that your people have hearing ears, seeing eyes, and hearts to receive the word of God. I pray, Father, that the spirit of God, the anointing upon me and upon this word, would do what you sent it to do today, that it'll break through every barrier, every mindset, every stronghold, every bit of demonic influence to penetrate and get into the hearts of your people so that, God, we will know and affirm and live with Jesus Christ being the only way for us. We ask you to have your way today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And then, amen. Again, John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You notice there that there are definite articles in that verse, right? He said to him, responded to, to Thomas, I am the way. Notice he didn't say I am a way. A 
for you grammar freaks, is an indefinite article. <laughs> a, if he had said, I am a way, a truth, a life, it would have meant that there's the possibility of other options. But he didn't say that. He used what, what we call in, in English a definite article. Or should I say in our English studies, in our, in our grammar studies, a definite article, which means that he gave us just one option. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he said, no one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is the only way. Can you say amen? amen. So what we find in our world all around is that people are struggling in this world. And they're struggling to keep their sanity. They're struggling to find purpose, try, struggling trying to find the meaning of life. People are struggling trying to find peace, trying to find joy, trying to find salvation, trying to find redemption, trying to find uh, healing, uh, not just physical healing, but even inner healing. People have experienced brokenness and all kinds of situations in their lives that brings uh, from the enemy destruction to their lives. And people try all different methods and all different ways and all different roads trying to find the healing that they need. We see in this world that social ills are abounding. We see that we've just come out of, in fact, what they're, they're about to, I think the president is about to call it over finally, this, this uh, world, this global pandemic that now all of a sudden uh, they're proving or they're saying, oh, maybe you all were right back three years ago that it did come out of a lab in China. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'll leave that alone. But not only are there global pandemics, but there are also epidemics. There's a drug epidemic, opioid crisis, things that are happening in our neighborhoods that if you, don't, if you don't know Jesus, you might just lose your mind. When we see the kind of drugs that are coming out, and we, I mean, just when you thought a worse drug hits the streets, we, we thought, you know, a few years back when opioids were out and, and methamphetamines were telling, taking people out, then we saw, you know, the rise of fentanyl. And not the kind you get in the hospital. I'm talking about this stuff that they're putting in this mixed up stuff they're putting out there on the streets and we saw people dying and you thought, well, that's the worst thing. But then after that, you hear something new that comes out that's dropping people dead. <laughs> so there, there's a, there's a, there, are, there are epidemics of crime, violence. Hallelujah. I mean, if you just check the news, just scan through the news any day of the week, you'll see more stories than your heart can almost take. Violent crime is skyrocketing. How many of y'all know children are out of control? I thought, I thought the school folk would say something about that. If we see any more videos of students jumping on administrators or jumping on teachers and knocking teachers unconscious and cussing out principals, we were at the school of the day, the my, my old alma mater neighbor, somebody tell us about how, how a student was cussing out the principal. I mean, I remember the day growing up that you didn't, you didn't cuss out the principal. You, 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 didn't, you didn't hardly look crosswise at the principal. Now children are out of control. Hallelujah. 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 Videos. I think I saw a video somebody uh, posted. One of the guys in the church here posted a video of these girls fighting in the bathroom. 
getting down. I mean getting down, and that's an everyday thing. They're out of control. Children killing grown-ups, children killing each other. They're out of control. Worldwide economic collapse has people living in fear of uncertain futures. And all these things we see are not new, and they are not unexpected. Somebody say, they're not new, and they're not unexpected. Matthew 24, 12, Jesus talked about the last days. Y'all just focus on me. We're used to babies. There's going to be babies in heaven. There are, plenty of, there are already plenty of babies in heaven. Hallelujah. And Jesus talked about the last days in Matthew 24. The disciples asked him, what would be the signs of the last days? How are we going to know when your, your coming is near? And one of the things he said about earthquakes and diverse places, have we seen that? And we've seen uh, wars, rumors of wars. But you get down to verse 12, and he says something. He said, and because lawlessness will abound. So a mark of the last days, he says, is that lawlessness will abound. And he said, because lawlessness will abound, then the love of many will grow cold. So the more lawlessness, the more crime, the more uh, iniquity we see increasing, the less people love each other. And if people love each other less, guess what happens? The more crime you see. And he said what happens is humanity falls then into a cycle where things get worse and worse and worse and people get more wicked and more wicked and more wicked as the day goes because the more wickedness that, that you see, the, the less love there is. And the less love there is, the more wickedness that you see. And what happens when people are in these kind of conditions, in these kind of circumstances, they're going crazy, pulling their hair out. They're, they're, they're trying to find peace. They, 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 people go to movies and spend two hours in a movie trying to escape their world. Y'all not saying anything. That, that's how the whole Hollywood industry became so big during, during the, the depression of the 30s. When everything crashed in 1929, Black Monday. Do y'all remember that? And all, everything fell. And the movie house, the, the theaters became a big deal because people could escape from the reality of the world. Why are people drinking so much? Not to have fun. Because drinking yourself into a stupor isn't fun. Drinking yourself until you're so inebriated you can't even walk is not fun. The Bible says that you give wine to a man to, to forget his misery. I'm going to help some of y'all wine bibbers in here. He said it's not, it's not for kings to drink wine. Y'all sipping. And it's not for kings to drink wine, the Bible says. But he said, give wine to the man who's poor and miserable so he can forget his misery. Hallelujah. Y'all quiet in this Presbyterian church. I'm, I must have hit a vein right there. Why are people doing so many drugs? Not to have fun. It's because they're trying to escape their misery. Why are people... Uh, uh, Laying with any and everybody that they can talk to, communicate with, because they're trying to escape. They're, they're, they're trying to find a way to escape. And then what happens, once people have crashed or people have done so many things that are evil, then they try to find, on the other side, redemption. So now what people do is for redemption, now they're going to go and try to feed the poor to get redemption. They're going to go and do ten Hail Marys trying to get redemption. 
They're going to go and they're going to do good works trying to get redemption. They're going to go and cut the church yard for free trying to get redemption. Or they're going to go to, to, the, to the hills of Tibet and find themselves. They're going to sit down in a room with some candles and try to find their center, find their chi, because they're trying to find redemption. Because they're so broken, they're so torn, they're so battered, they're so abused, they're so confused, that they're so stretched in their souls. Now they're trying to find redemption in things and in places and in actions and in this religion and in this religion and in that faction and in that faction. And people become spiritual. Now everyone you know that talks about how spiritual they are. But they're not spiritual. They're still dead in their trespasses and sins. They're dead. But they're trying to make their own way to redemption. And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. Help me out. I am the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. And every remedy that the enemy brings... He knows it doesn't help anyone. It only further exacerbates the problem. Jesus said this in, in Matthew 12, 26. He says, if Satan casts out Satan, he says he's divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? So Satan has always offered people wrong answers to the problems that he created. I need you, need you to hear it again. Satan has always offered people wrong answers to the problems he created. So Satan is the one behind all the foolishness. Satan is the one behind all the problems. Satan is the one behind all of, all of the, the degradation. But then he offers people a solution. But it's not a real solution. Jesus said if Satan would actually cast himself out, how would his kingdom stand? So Satan's not going to help you get out of the mess he put you in. So anything he offers is a trap. I wish I had some amens in this place. What happens, Satan has deceived men with false paths to peace, false paths to redemption, false paths to paradise. Listen, I want to deal with this here because you need to hear me. Billions of people have been taught to believe that there are many paths to God. Billions of people have been taught to believe that there are many paths to God. And you think just because your children are sitting in here, they must know there's only one path. No, their children are being inundated in their schools, and you send them off to college, and they're not baptized in the Holy Ghost with fire, and they get in these schools, and they get in the world, world religion classes and philosophy classes, and they begin to learn all these things that are teaching them that no, your God is not the only God, and your way is not the only way, and there are many paths. You can find peace, and, and people like Oprah Winfrey, who becomes everybody's goddess in America, and she can say these things that make people think, oh, it must be true because Oprah said it, and she's so successful. Oprah is a fool on her way to hell because the Bible says the fool says in their heart there is no God. Now, we pray she gets saved. I said we pray she gets saved, but Oprah's not the gospel. And you have people like Steve Harvey, I'm calling names, 
come out with things and teaching people that, that Chrislam is the way, that you can mix Christianity and Islam and make it one. But what a fool that is because Islam says that God has no son. Christianity said that Jesus Christ is the son of God. How can you mix the two? And so if we think that our children are safe and we don't, if we don't keep teaching them like Deuteronomy 6, 4 talks about teaching them and sitting them down and why that when they rise up, when they sit down, when they come in, when they go out, making them know that there is only one God, that we are doing our children a disservice and we're doing ourselves a disservice by allowing ourselves to listen to people because they have a little bit of money and they're, they're because they're a little influencer on TikTok and on YouTube and on social media that we are an influencer and we let them influence us. We let, oh no, they, they, they make sense. They make good business sense. They, everything they teach is... There, 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 is, there is demonic philosophy weaved through everything that they share. There is, the Bible says, walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. I don't care who they are. If they're not saved and professing Jesus Christ their Lord and showing it by their works. Works worthy of repentance. Works befitting repentance. I don't have time to listen. I don't want to listen to you. I don't care how successful you are in real estate. I don't care how successful you are in this and that. And I don't care. I know nothing about that. God has Holy Ghost sanctified people who are successful in real estate, successful in marketing, successful in business, successful in this, and you don't have time to expose your heart. Oh no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just gonna eat the meat and dart the bones. You swallowing bones, they're getting caught on in your throat. I see it. <laughs> People have been taught there are many paths to God. So we have something now. I, I sent the media a picture. I hope they can put this up. There's a picture you might see on bumper stickers, on, on t-shirts. Uh, this. How many of y'all have seen this before? People ride around this with this on their bumper stickers, on their T-shirts, and they they push this this agenda about coexisting. And you'll see that you see the the cross is on the end, and so it must be okay because the cross is included. And they're teaching that you can coexist, that we can all let's all get along, we can work together. So what happens is the enemy has infiltrated even the church with false teachers and false preachers who even push the same agenda because they will even be part of or host what they call ecumenical services. I'm educating you today. They'll host what's called and, and go to and be part of ecumenical services, interfaith services. We're having an interfaith prayer. What that means is, doesn't matter what faith you are, doesn't matter what you believe, doesn't matter who you serve, we can all get along, we're going to all come together and work together because we all have a common issue. No. The, put, up, put up Amos 3.3 3 for all the people who just think pastor must be wrong. This, this just came to me about the Holy Ghost. Can two walk together unless... So if I don't agree with you, I can't walk with you. 
I better come on this side. Y'all got it. Y'all got it. I'm coming on this side because they didn't say anything. If I can't agree with you, I have no business walking with you. So I'm not going to be a part of your ecumenical farce, a part of your interdenominational farce, trying to fit in and trying to make sure I'm included in all your little literature. I'm included in all your little photo shoots. I don't need to be part of your little in crowd. I'm in the in crowd with Jesus, and that's all that matters to me. And so what people are doing, put that picture back on the screen. People are doing is they're pushing this coexist. So you see Islam, you see the peace movement, which it really ain't nobody. You see, you see the E, that's equality. What it really is is transgenderism. What it really is is gender neutralism. It's to, it's to help people push toward this androgynous human. Which means that this is the people who, who um, they, they don't identify uh, as either or, as either one. I'm non-binary. I'm going to come over here because y'all y'all looking crazy. Non, I'm non-binary. <laughs> so you, you, don't know, you don't know what we are. <laughs> it's we. The last person I heard talking about we was in Mark 5 full of 6,000 demons on the inside of him. My name is Legion, for we are many. If you are using multiplied pronouns, you got demons on the inside of you. He said, my name is Legion, for we are many. You, there shouldn't be no we about it at all. Ain't no they, ain't no them. God made him and her. Put the picture back up. Put the picture back up. And then you see, you see the star of David. So we have Judaism in here. You have the Taoist stuff in, in, the, in the S and all that stuff. I don't know what all, you, Satanism at the top of that. And so now we have in schools, in fact, uh, I just saw a thing in Arizona and I saw a, maybe New Hampshire or somewhere, I think one, I might have sent you that article, about these schools who are now hosting Satan clubs. And the ACLU fought to make sure they could do that. And so when the Christians now rise up against that, the ACLU said, no, 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 no. No, y'all got y'all clubs. What we want to do now is get the, get the Christian clubs out. As a matter of fact, I think, was that you sent me the article about this lady, uh, showed us this lady talking about how uh, in city council somewhere, she said we have to, we need to make sure we don't let, let get all the Christians uh, well, she said, she said Christian values are dangerous, so we can't let Christians get in government. Values like what? Honesty? Integrity? Loving your neighbor as yourself? What, value, what, what values are you talking about? See, so Satan has a clear agenda. And he's after every one of us, especially our children. Hitler was ruled by Satan. And Hitler operated on the mantra that if I can get the children, I can have the whole nation. And so Satan is always after our children. That's why we got to guard our children, ladies and gentlemen. So we have this whole issue about coexisting. But there's only one way. I said there's only one way. 
one way to God, only one way to peace, only one way to redemption, only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. Now, I, I want to show you something. I want you to, to catch this here. Hallelujah. I'm going to try to, I'm, I'm not going to finish, so I'm just taking my time. I, I want to show you the order of the world's major religions. The world has five major religions. In fact, I, I, it's better to call them faiths because Christianity is one of them and Christianity is not a religion. So, so but, for, but for the sake of, of argument, let me just use the word religions. They are in the order of their appearance. Hinduism. Judaism. Buddhism. Christianity. And Islam. Now we know, those of us who studied the Bible, we know Christianity came about in the first century. And we know that it, if, you, if you've looked at it, Islam came about in the seventh century. So Islam is definitely after Christianity. So all your assalamu alaikum brothers who want to tell you that, that Islam predated Christianity, uh, tell them to go study their own history. They didn't come along to the seventh century. However, before Christianity, there was Buddhism. Buddhists known throughout the Orient. There was also, before Buddhism, Judaism. We call Jew, the Jewish people Judaism. And then Hinduism. You see through India and so forth. So five major world religions, world religions. Now of those five, three are connected to Abraham. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Right? Are y'all following me? So we can, we can, we can, <laughs> God promised the world to Abraham. Abraham. So we can knock out two of them. Hinduism and Judaism. Or Hinduism, rather, and Buddhism. Of those three, only two worship the true and living God. That's Judaism and Christianity. Now, I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to whittle your choices down. trying to narrow down your options. I'm trying to make it easy for you to find peace. I'm trying to make it easy for you to find salvation and redemption. Now, Hinduism, they have many gods. They are polytheistic. Many gods. Whereas Christianity, Judaism, Islam, they are monotheistic, one God. You understand that? Hinduism, thousands, some estimates 10,000 gods. And when we, you keep, I'm going to say it again because people act like I'm, I keep lying to them. When I keep talking about yoga, which has crept into the church, people don't understand yoga is Hindu worship. You want, you want to really dig into it? You, you investigate when you get home. Just Google Kundalini Yoga. Come on, sir. 
And you'll find Kundalini Yoga is one of the highest forms of yoga where these people, they actually, what their actual goal is, is they understand that when you get into this yoga, that snakes, spirit snakes, snake spirits enter your body and, and wrap themselves around or in your spine. Which allows people who do yoga at the highest levels to contort and do all kind of things that normal people can't do because a, oh man. Because a spirit has entered them. You don't think it's real? You don't think the snake spirit is real? You look in the book of Acts chapter 16 and Paul talks about that woman who had a spirit of divination. You look at that word divination up, it's the word pythos or python. It's a snake spirit that entered her. People think yoga is fine, and what happens is they'll have your kindergartners and your preschoolers and your second graders doing yoga in their little preschools. In elementary school, in the high schools, they want, they want the football team and the baseball team and the basketball team. Hey, we're going to stretch and we're going to get limber. We want them to be very flexible, so we're going to do this yoga. And you think, oh, it's just exercise. Ladies and gentlemen, it is not. It is demonic worship. The same way you and I told and yoda unto God, our form, to lift our hands, to clap, and to praise. Yoga, every form we pose is an act of Hindu worship to one or more of those gods. But people do that to try to find their center. They're trying to find their peace. They're trying to mellow out. So they're going to go in yoga. Jesus said, I am the way. People get into Buddhism. Zen Buddhism is popular here in America. Trying to, people arrange their homes. They arrange their furniture in their homes in certain, certain layouts trying to find zen. I, re I remember, remember years ago, years ago in the 90s, in the 90s, uh, the most popular basketball team in the NBA was the Chicago Bulls. And I, I really, and that was my favorite team. I, I liked Michael Jordan back in that day. And I liked the Bulls, and I watched their games, and they, I mean, just cheered them on like I was from Chicago. But I wasn't from Chicago. I was from St. Petersburg, Florida, 25th Street. But their coach, Coach Phil Jackson, was very prominent uh, in, in the in NBA, he won nine championships in the NBA. Six with the Bulls, three with the Los Angeles Lakers. But he was known for teaching his team Zen Buddhism. And they would always ask him, what, what do you attribute the success of your team to? He said, it's all, it's our, it's our, I, I teach them Zen. So when you see these things, well, look, look how successful they were. Then people pass, they go, oh, you know, maybe we should get that. And so people now try to get their feng shui in their houses and get their furniture lined up and got to have a plant right there. And you have your little zen, your little prayer garden you walk through and all the little things that people do in their little Buddhism. And they got the little, the little God. And you see even the big popular stars. You know, I didn't know black folk were Buddhists, but you got now the black folk got the little Buddhist statues out there in the front yard and in the houses, got whole rooms are dedicated to their, to their Buddhists, their Buddhism, to Buddha. 
Now, I, I, just, I just would never serve a God that you could buy at, at TJ Maxx. And, uh, serve a God, you leave him out in the yard and the sprinklers running, he get all algae and mildew and can't, can't even cleanse himself. How he gonna cleanse you when he can't cleanse himself? Jesus is the only way! I dare somebody to shout it out loud, Jesus is the only way! So Hinduism and Buddhism, we can kick them out. Of those five, I told you three, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam are connected to Abraham. The, is, the, the Muslims believe that they're connected, and they are. They're connected to Abraham. Remember, Abraham had a, had a son named Ishmael. And you go from that, from that lineage down, and you have the, the people who are in uh, Islam today. Hallelujah. The problem with Islam is the Muslims don't even know whether they're going to heaven or not. The problem with Islam is their prophet, Muhammad, doesn't know whether he's going to heaven or not. Their prophet claims I've gotten a vision. That's, oh man, that's why we got we to gotta make sure we don't get even into this. Lord, have mercy. Latter-day Saints. You see, see guys riding by in black, black pants and a white shirt, keep on moving. I remember one day I almost beat two of them up because they walked into my house. Two of them walked in, just walked into our house. We were sitting there, you know, we had the door open, just chilling. They walked up, boy, you about to get killed. Try Jesus, but don't try me. Not throw hands. I throw these hands at you. You're about to get it. But their, their, their founder, their prophet John Smith, claims I've gotten some kind of revelation that points people away from Jesus. So they call themselves the Church of Jesus Christ, but they're not. They're the Church of John Smith. See? And you got to be careful, Scientology people. Getting, trying to get your energy right, waiting for the aliens to show up one day. That's what, that's what the whole goal of their religion is. The one day, aliens are going to come and they're going to be all together with these aliens. You better settle this stuff that you just count as just nothing. It's not nothing. It's something. It's from the devil. See, but they want us to coexist. But I'm not going to coexist with devils. See, uh, Pharaoh was stupid. Y'all know he's a stupid man, right? House, palace, kitchen, bedrooms, grounds, land full of frogs. And Moses said, okay, you going to do it right now? Oh, yeah, I'm, okay, I'm going to get it right. Okay, we're going we to get, get rid of these frogs tonight. He said, no, 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 let's do it tomorrow. You mean y'all got frogs in your pots, frogs in your oven, frogs in your tub, frogs in your hair, frogs everywhere. You're talking about tomorrow. He was going to coexist with the frogs. 
You know why? Because frogs is one of the idols of their worship. Every plague that God sent on them was, was about the idols that they worshiped. So I cannot, I cannot coexist. Because I'm going to have no other God before my God. And that before doesn't mean ahead of, it means in front of, around. So of those three, only two, Judaism and Christianity, worship the true and living God. Now, in, in Mark 12, verse 29 and 30, I want to read that. Mark 12, 29 and 30, because I want to show you Judaism. Judaism. It says, Jesus answered him to one of the scribes who was asking him about uh, what's the greatest commandment and so forth. Jesus answered him and said, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel. So the Jews understand this from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is what? One. One. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. So the Lord our God is one. He is one. So the Judaism understand that they are worshiping the true living God. They're not worshiping Allah. Allah is not God. Oh boy, y'all quiet, boy. Allah is not God. No, nope, so I'm not going, assalamu alaikum you. No, Allah is not God. Allah is not the same God as Jehovah, as Yahweh, as Adonai. That's not the same God. Allah, their Quran book says their God, Allah, has no son. So that can't be my God. So I can't coexist with you. I certainly can't coexist with, demon, with Satan worshipers or Luciferians. They, they say they're different. I can't coexist with Taoists and I can't coexist with Buddhists and Hindus. I can't coexist. So when we go to our text in John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if Jesus, listen to me, if Jesus were here in 2023, he would not put up that first coexist sign. He put up this one. Show him the one he put up. That's the one he put up. See? Y'all be scared to put that on your car. Scared to put on your bumper sticker, scared to put on your shirt, because you know I want people to think, I want people to think, I want people to think. If you be ashamed of God, of Jesus before men, he said, I'll be ashamed of you before the Father. Well, I don't want to rub people the wrong way, because, you know, people have a right to believe what they want to believe. They do. They do have a right. And they got a right to go right to hell, too. But it's not going to be my fault. I'm obligated. I said I'm obligated to tell you that Jesus is the only way. No one 
come to the Father except through me. And so when the church goes soft and doesn't want to enforce our beliefs, it means the church is no longer in a place that God can use them. Boy, by the sound of sound of y'all's thoughts, boy. Look at John 14. I got I got to quickly get through partners here. In John 14, when we open up John 14, Jesus Christ had just shared this meal with his disciples. It's the week of the Passover, which will also be the week of his passion. Passover is an eight-day celebration, and so they were preparing for the full eight-day celebration. They had started eating the first in the meal in chapter 13. We saw, if you read chapter 13, he tells them once again about his crucifixion, about his death, and in that meal he shared what we call the, the Lord's Supper, where he broke bread and he shared wine with them. That bread represented his body that would be broken, and the wine represented his blood that would be shed on the cross for them. After he had done that, he, the Bible says he girded himself with a towel, with a cloth, and he knelt down, and he began to wash the feet of his disciples. He began to show them that he was a servant, that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And he demonstrated his love for them through that cross, through the blood, through the bread, through the wine, which, which represented his body and his, and his blood, but also through the servanthood of washing their feet. And he's having this meal to let them know that he's about to leave, he's about to depart from them. And when he gets to, gets to chapter 14, he says, let not your heart be troubled. He says, you believe in God. He believe, believe also in me. And right there in verse 1, Jesus asserts himself, watch this, as God's son and equal with the Father. He asserts himself as God's son and equal with the Father. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. The people had the hardest time accepting the fact that he was the son of God. If he ever called himself the son of God, or even if he called himself the son of man, he got ridiculed. He got mocked. He, he, was, he was threatened with, with violence. But he was who he said he was. And he said, so if you believe in God, then you have the ability or you have the right or you should also believe in me. Because what he's saying is, is that I and the father are one. Glory to God. In Philippians 2, verse 6, the Bible says that Jesus Christ did not consider robbery to be equal with God. So he made himself, now you, you got to see, this is very important to what I'm, point I'm, I'm bringing up to you. I know y'all know this, but I need you to see it in context. That he makes himself equal with, equal with God. In other words, he's doing something that no other religious figure has ever done. 
to make himself equal with God, they knew it was blasphemous to say that, and they were threatened with death if they said that. But he said it openly and often. Because he couldn't deny who he was. I am the son of man. I am the son of God. I am one with the father. And he, he goes on. We don't, we're not going to read it, but you see down there in verse 7 and 8, he has a discussion with Philip. And Philip says, Jesus, hey, okay, show us the father. And he says, Philip, how long have you been with me? He said, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. He says, do you not know that it is the father inside of me? The works that I do, I don't do it on my, my own accord. The things I say, I'm not saying on my own, my, my own accord. The father is in me. So he couldn't deny himself. So he constantly said, I'm the son of God. I'm the son of man. Y'all with me? Then he goes on verse 2 and he says, my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. So he asserts here his knowledge of the kingdom of heaven. And then he, he asserts the purpose of his death, burial, and resurrection. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. Notice what he's saying is because he just talked about the, the, the death in chapter 13. Are y'all with me? So what he's saying is through my death, through my burial, through my resurrection, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Now this is very important. This is very important. And he says, verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, watch this. I will come again. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Oh, that's good. You remember when Abraham took Isaac in the 22nd chapter of Genesis up on the mountain, Mount, Mount Moriah, this same mountain. And he tells his men, which we can equate them to his disciples, he says, wait here. He says, Isaac and I are going to go up here and worship, and we're going to come back to you. Now, he knew the father's instruction. That he was to go up and slay his son. But Hebrews 11 tells us that by faith he received his son alive again because he knew that if he slayed him, God was also able to raise him up. So he was already in Genesis 22 showing us the death and resurrection of the son. And we, if we go up here, we're going to come again. So here in, in John 14, 3, Jesus says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Now, no other religious figure, no other person, no other prophet has ever said that I'm going away, I'm going to die, and I'm going to come again. Not one. Not one before, not one since. And if anyone had the audacity to even say so, they couldn't prove it. They died, they sold, still dead. But Jesus said, I'm going away and I'm coming back. Y'all got it? All right. Let me, let me give you a little more. Hallelujah. He said, I will come again. Now, this is, this is the first century B.C., first century of A.D., He's talking this. He says, I'm coming again. Now, we know he's going to rise again, but he's telling us the same message today that he's going to come again. And we read it the other night. People say, well, he's been sent all this time. All Christians have been sent all this time. Obviously, your way is wrong because the one you say is coming back, he ain't coming back yet. But they don't understand. 2 Peter 3, 9 says this, the Lord is not slack 
concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So the reason his, his coming is delayed is because he's giving people a chance to find the right road. He knows people are on the wrong road, on the wrong path, on the wrong way by deception. But he's giving people time to find him the only way, the only truth, and the only life, the only one that lets you come to the Father. Tell your neighbor, he's giving you time. Now, verse 6, and then we'll wrap this up. Verse 6. Hallelujah. Well, let me read verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? First of all, Thomas, that's stupid to say so, because verse 4, he said, where I go, you know, and the way you know. <laughs> that's down Thomas. Jesus said, the, 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 where I'm going, you know, and the way you know. He said, we don't know where you're going, and we don't know how to get there. <laughs> oh, Thomas, he just sat there and explained all through chapter 13 what was about to happen. You still don't get it. The whole three and a half years y'all been walking with me, I've been explaining this over and over and over again. Verse 6, notice the response here. Jesus said to him, and I'm sure y'all have heard this scripture before. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, you need to hear me. You need to hear me on this. Remember I showed you the five religions, major religions. You had Hinduism, you had Judaism, you had Buddhism, you had Christianity, you had Islam. We, we, we got rid of Hinduism and Buddhism, the three that were attached to, to Abraham, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Then I showed you only Christianity and uh, only, is, uh, only um, Judaism and Christianity where they serve the true living God. So now we're going to narrow it down to the last one. Because you can think as Jews that because I serve the only true living God that I'm okay. But Paul said in Romans 10, he said, Brother, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal according to, they have a zeal for God but not according to knowledge. So they want to serve God but they don't know the right way. And you got to hear this. This is, this is good and you can go home and eat your grits. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's not talking to Hindus. He's not talking to Buddhists. He's not talking to Muslims. We've already canceled all three of them out. He's talking to Jews. Who these Jews... They're accustomed to coming to God through priests and sacrifices. So to hear him say that I am the way, the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father through me, he's now moving them from Judaism to say this is the way. In other words, the way you all have been doing it all these centuries, that was good for then until I showed up. Because once I showed up, 
I brought, give, give me Hebrews 10, 19, and 20. Give me Hebrews 10, 19, and 20. Oh, put this on the screen. Look, look at this, look at this. It says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest. Now, remember the Jews, they knew how to enter the holy of holies. They would send the high priest, the chief priest, into the holy of holies. And they said, once a year to atone for everybody's sins here. He said, but having boldness to enter, he's talking about you. Not waiting on a priest. He's saying you, the individual, you yourself, you can have boldness to enter the holiest by, by what? Verse 20, by a new which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. So notice what he's saying to us is that now there's a new way to go to God. Now you don't need a priest to go for you. See, y'all don't know if y'all getting this. See, before he came, somebody else had to go for you. And you had to hope he was right. Because if he wasn't right, he couldn't atone for your sins or his. But we have a high priest. Jesus Christ, who is righteous, who is spotless, who is sinless, who is blameless, who shed his own blood for us. So now we have a new living way. We can have boldness to go to God on our own through him, through his blood. Are you seeing this today? Are you seeing this today? So he now created a new and a living way for us. So when it says back in John 14, 6, I am the way. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. He's saying, I'm the new and the living way. So we already know Hindus can't do it. We already know the Buddhists can't make it. We already know the Muslims can't make it. But he's saying, now you Jews that I'm talking to, you can't make it this old way. Your bullocks and your goats and your doves are no longer acceptable. You need this sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ, who became not only the, the sacrifice, but the priest. Does your Bible call him our high priest? So he's the priest and the sacrifice, and now he made a way when he laid himself down and shed his own blood on Calvary's cross, he became the new living, living way for us. Now, let, me, let, me, let me help you all out. Let's, let's close this out so y'all can go and take a nap. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now watch this, and I'll say this, and we can, we can go ahead and shut it down. He established himself in exclusivity. You better get, get that. Jesus established himself in exclusivity from every other human from every other human path. He made himself different than any person who ever walked this planet and any path that any man has come up with. Any other road, any other way, any other faith is a trap of the devil. Oh, God. Jesus said this in John 10, 9. He said, I am the door. He said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be what? He said, I am a door. 
Oh, there, oh, definite article. I am the door, not Mary. See, I got to say that because you have people who they say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Catholic Christian. Well, good, good for you, baby, but here, here's a problem. You keep trying to pray and approach God through Mary. And Jesus didn't say, Mary and I are the way. He said, I am the way. I am the way. Mary herself had to come through Jesus. Jesus came to the earth through Mary, but Mary can only go to heaven through Jesus. So I'm not going to pray to Mary, through Mary, who's not in a higher place than I am. But I pray through Jesus. And I approach through Jesus. First Timothy 2.5. Paul says this. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. The man, Christ Jesus. So this man, Christ Jesus is the only one who can mediate or be the go-between between us and the Father. Any other way is a demonic trap. It's, it's so tragic. I've seen people who walk with God and now they're, they've devolved into Hebrew, black Hebrew Israelites. I know one guy was a pastor right in this city. Now, a black Hebrew Israelite, he's devolved into that. He's gone into an old way. He, he left the new and living way and went back to an old way. An old dead way. It's a dead end. Thank you, Lord. What's, what's, what's the cause of that? It's deception. And as, as your pastor, I don't want you to be deceived. Because there are people in, in the church who have left this, this absolute truth that Jesus is the only way. And when they're put on the spot on national platforms and national media, national entertainers and national hosts ask them these questions like, well, are you saying, sir, uh, pastor so-and-so, bishop so-and-so, they've asked bishops, do, do you think Jesus is the only way to, you know, the only way to go? And they, they get all him, hon, and well, you know, 
I don't want to say that. And, you know, we don't ever want to try to pretend like we know the heart of God or the mind of God. And we don't ever want to, we don't ever want to say that God is limited in what, how he feels and how he operates. You know, we're not God. We're just men. Well, brother, you better go back and read this Bible. I mean, some of the most prominent pastors in America have left this absolute truth. to maintain their audience, to maintain their prominence in the world. And the moment you say that, I mean, one of the guys, that's why I saw his wife in this church, they're hosting yoga sessions in their church. And their big old grand church God gave them. They now got yoga sessions in the church because the moment you move off this truth, now you become open to anything the devil says. But I want you to know. I want these young people to know. I want these children to know that there's only one way to the Father. And, you know, I don't want you to get into this new, this new modern parenting style. This new modern parenting style is, you know, well, I don't impose anything on my children. You know, I want them to kind of grow up there and learn their own way. I want them to kind of, you know, find their own way. We can't, we can't do that. You know, they have, they have to find out on their own. Wait a minute. What happened to train up your children the way they should go? What happened to you raising them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? What happened to you teaching them when they sit down, teaching them when they rise up, teaching them when they go out? Teaching them when, what happened to you doing that, parent? told you to let them make their own decisions? The Bible never gave us that option. I mean, let me tell you something. If your child is six and you give them a choice of zucchini and broccoli and squash and cauliflower and snicker bars, I guarantee you I might take the Snickers bar. I'm going to tell you, I ain't going to lie. What's them hot, them takis? What's them takis? You know, some takis? Takis or some broccoli. They're going to eat takis all day long. Am I right? You know, takis. See? 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 So if you make this where it's and, and, and let, me, let me make sure I, I clarify that. I'm not trying to say that Jesus is the broccoli. Because in reality, he's the steak. He's the, he, he's the sirloin. He's the, he's the best. He's everything and everything. He is all that. we got to take out of, I want to make sure it's not in this church and I pray it's not in your home that you make it just, you know, optional, kind of find, you know, choose your own way because that's not going to work. It's not going to work. Jesus said, I'm the only way. Now, it's not just 
how you get saved. It's the only way to peace. He's on the way to redemption. He's on the way to salvation. He's on the way to life. He's on the way to every to anything. He's the only way. And if you want to come to the Father, I say you got to come through me. If you want peace, you got to come through me. If you want joy, if you want your life back, you got to get it through me. If you want to walk in truth, you got to come through me. Because I'm the only way. Every head bowed, every eye closed. glad you shouted earlier. You didn't have to shout on, on the message. But it was to let you know that we cannot start blurring the lines. We cannot blur the lines. There's no gray area. Jesus didn't leave a gray area. He made it cut and dry. I'm the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you're in this place and you're trying to get your life redeemed, you need peace. You need life. You need things restored. There's only one way to get it, and it's through Jesus. Today, I offer you Jesus. That's all we have to offer. So we don't have a lot of lights and camera and action, and we don't have smoke machines, and we don't have, we don't have all video walls everywhere. But we do have Jesus. And we don't have all the fancy graphics everywhere, all over the walls. But we have Jesus. He's the answer. Acts 4 and 12 says, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given by men, among men by which we must be saved. There is only one name with power to save, power to heal, power to deliver. That's the name of Jesus. If you're in this place and you're not born again, I want to make sure I first give you that chance right now. You can't redeem yourself through your own good works. You can't redeem yourself through your own good behavior. You can't redeem yourself through your own charitable things you do. You're not find peace by drinking and smoking and doing drugs and laying with people. All it does is make it worse. It just makes it worse. That's all it does. There are people who cut themselves trying to find peace. They're trying to, they're trying to find peace, and the devil gives them to actually hurt themselves trying to find peace. Well, simply, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the way. So whoever you are today, before I close, before I close this service, if you're not walking in that peace and that life and that truth, not experiencing that hope, that joy that comes through Jesus. You've been trying to find it everywhere else. I want to give you that chance today to know Jesus Christ, to walk in that new living way. Whoever you are, I want you to lift your hands. I'll pray for you. 
If today is your day of salvation, today is your day that you come to Jesus Christ, today is your day that you give up everything for him and walk with him. He says, I'm the door. I'm the door. You enter through me, you're going to find, you're going to be saved. You're going to go in and out and find pasture. I see that hand. Someone else today in this place. Who else, who else in this place? You know, you've been trying to chase everything. You've been trying to find it everywhere else. And everywhere you turn, you find nothing but another rock, another snake, another, another tragedy, more heartbreak, more sorrow, more pain. If that's you in this place, I want you to, to know Jesus Christ is your hope. He is your hope today. You know, in Islam, they have to do something wild to try to please their God, their fake God. That's why when we had the tragedy of September 11th, 2001, those men hijacked those airplanes and flew into the World Trade Center and into the Pentagon and were headed, crashed in Pennsylvania and hit other places. They did it not just because they hate America, but they're trying to win their way into heaven, into paradise. <laughs> but Jesus, he died for us. We don't have to die for him. He wants us to live for him. He died for us. So I've already seen one hand. I'm, if there's anybody else, I'm, I'm going to close this now. I want you to lift your hands. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you to get born again today, to know Jesus Christ, to come to him, to come to him, to come to him. All right, that one with your hand raised, I'm, I'm going to ask you if you'll do me a favor. Let's whip the devil openly. If you'll stand, please, and come to this altar. I want to pray for you. If you'll stand, please, come to this altar. Listen, the Bible says there's more rejoicing in heaven over one, who, one sinner who repents than 99 who don't need repentance. So right now, heaven is on fire in terms of joy. Somebody you're watching at home, wherever you may be, if you haven't tuned out already, if you've not turned us off already, you need to be saved. You can take as many vacations as you want to. That's not where peace comes from. You can travel the world trying to find, trying to escape the misery. There's no way except Jesus. You can drink until you're just blind. You can, you can, you can smoke until you just, just can't walk. And you'll be right back at the same place over and over again. Because the only way is Jesus. Now I'm going to pray in a moment, but I, I, if there's somebody else in this room too, you need to be at this altar. You need to be at this altar. You need to be at this altar.
Whoever you are, come on. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. He's the only way. He's the only way. Man, listen, don't, don't wait till you're 47. 63 and you finally, okay, I'm going to try Jesus. No. You, you will have wasted a whole lot of valuable time. You can just give him your life right now. All right, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So everybody else already, you got Jesus? You're already serving Jesus Christ? Everybody? You're already in that way? We're going to pray. Ma'am, I want you to pray with me. I want you to pray out loud. We're going to all pray out loud. We're going to all pray. Because I think all of us can pray this all the time. We're going to pray this together with her because we're welcoming her into the family of God. We're welcoming her into that place of peace. You know her real well? That's your mama. I figured that was your mama. And you want your mama to know what you know now. You want your mama to have what you have now. Don't you want your mama saved too? Don't you want your mama out of that world, out of that mess? Mama, we're going to all pray. I want you to say this. I want you to say, dear Jesus, I thank you so much for what you did for me. You made a way where there was no way. I've been lost I've been dying, I've been hurting, I've been making a mess. But thank you, Jesus, that you can take this mess and make something out of my life. So I give you my life, I give you my heart, I give you my body, I give you everything I have, everything I am. I come to you now, and I ask you, God, to forgive me for all my sins, to wash me, to change me, to clean me up. I ask you to let Jesus come into my heart. I receive Jesus. I'm no longer in charge. It's no longer my way. It's your way, God. Jesus, come into my heart. I believe that you died just for me. I believe you went to hell just for me. And I believe that God raised you from the dead just for me. And I declare with my mouth that from this day forward, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. You are Lord of my life. From this day forward, you are Lord of my life. Now take my life and do something with it. I ask you for it, and I believe it's done. I thank you, God, that as of now, I'm a brand new creature. My old life is gone. I have a new life right now, and I thank you for it, and I give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
That's what it's all about. I told God, I said, God, I'm going after souls. I'm going after lives. I know how to preach faith. I know how to preach the kingdom. I know how to preach prosperity. And I'll do that. I'll keep doing that. But God, I just feel this urge to go after souls. Because ladies and gentlemen, we don't have much time. Tell your neighbor, we don't have much time. Jesus is coming very soon. He's coming very, very soon. And I don't want any more mamas or any more daddies or any more of our sons and daughters lost. Because I'm going to tell you this, if we think it's bad now, once Jesus comes and the church is caught away, the Bible says he that lets or he, see with us here, the Holy Spirit here, we're controlling the flow of evil in the earth. But the Bible says when we're gone, there'll be nothing to stop the flow of evil in the earth. And you don't want to be left down here after Jesus comes. I don't want anybody left here. So I'm grateful for this mama. He's got a brand new life. And ma'am, I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've done. It doesn't even matter. As far as Jesus is concerned, it's all washed away. And you've begun a new life with him. It'll never be the same. It'll never be the same. Now listen to me. That you still have an enemy called the devil. He's going to do everything he can to pull you back. He's mad right now. He's, and he's going to tell you, well, you messed up. It didn't work. It didn't take. It took. And there are going to be days that you don't feel saved and you don't feel like you're one of God's children, but I'm telling you, you are. He's not going to turn his back on you. He spread your life for this very moment. Your days from now on are going to get brighter and brighter and brighter. Amen? Why don't y'all give God one big hand? Give God praise for this wonderful woman of God. A woman of God. A woman of God. A woman of God. A woman of God. Y'all ladies, just, just love on her for a minute. Just feel y'all ladies, just love on her. Just love on her. These are your sisters in the Lord. You're part of a grand sisterhood. You don't need any other sorority. This is a grand sisterhood right here. This is it. This is it. We're in what the Bible calls the way. That's what the early church they were called. They weren't called Christians. They were called the way. You know why? He said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. So they were called the way. When Paul started persecuting the church, the Bible says he was persecuting those who were in the way. The ninth chapter of Acts, right around verse 2 or 3, talks about how he had gotten letters to go and persecute those who were in the way. 
we're in the way in the family of God. Amen? Now listen. Whoever you are in this room and you know I need to be in that way too. Don't, don't keep dragging it out. Don't keep waiting, waiting for the perfect day. I'm waiting for the weather to be right and waiting for me to have the right dress on and waiting for me to have, you know, to play the right song. Then I'm going to make my big debut. No, you don't know. See, if you're not born again, you're not promised tomorrow. So you, in the day of salvation, don't harden your heart. You come to him when you can. Amen. I'm going to ask our deacons, elders, you ever come very quickly. I'm going to, we're going to serve communion, then we're going to go home. We're going to go home. So we're going to make this easy today. We're going to let you come around and receive as you go. All right? The hour is late because y'all pray so long. I ain't mad at you about that. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we're thankful that you've given us the opportunity to take part in this, the Lord's Supper. Thank you for what Jesus Christ did on that night when he sat with his disciples. Your word says he took bread, he blessed it and said, take it, this is my body. He took the cup, shared it with them and blessed it and said, this is my blood or the New Testament in my blood, drink ye all of it. Your word says, as often as we do this, we show forth the Lord's suffering and death till he comes again. Now we know that God, that he established covenant with us. This was a symbol of the new and living way. And I pray that, Father, these your people that we receive today, that we would take this, take all of it, receive all of it, and that there will be a manifestation of our lives, in our lives, about all that we are to have and enjoy. I pray, Father, that we would walk in a holy determination to please Jesus Christ, who is the way to the Father. We give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. Listen, we're going to come around, and once you receive, you will be dismissed to leave. So let me say a couple of things before you do that. This coming Wednesday, of course, we're back for our